everybody. Welcome to Ignite Radio Live with Greg, Stephanie, and Anna the Intern. Woohoo! Woohoo! It's right. I like that, Anna the Intern. And you know, Anna is so much more than just an intern, and maybe that sets the stage for us tonight. Here in the corridor between Feast of the Holy Trinity and Corpus Christi. And I'm thinking, I just have to throw this out there because we want to keep it real, real presence. we got to keep it real. Bruce Jenner. And uh, going to the library with our kids. A couple libraries in this area. We love the library. And you've got the showcase as soon as you walk in on the LGBXYTA. I don't even know. The, the initials keep going for um, pronouncing kind of, can I say it, confusion? Confusion about what we're really all about. And, uh, you know, we get this. Jesus gets this. He looked down at us. And, and, and God the Father in the Trinity looked down and recognized the amnesia that we are suffering from as a result of partaking of the fruit. And he recognized that, you know, we're defined by more than what we do with 5% of our bodies. And people are not going to be fulfilled until they look not just at the 5% or 10%, but at the whole, that word W-H-O-L-E, whole as in holy. We celebrate the feast of the Holy Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, persons pouring themselves out into one another, revealing to us not just a kind of a concept that we study from afar, but guess what, brothers and sisters, our nature. We are of the fabric of love, which is God, which is possible by being persons who are called to give ourselves completely. And in the amnesia, it's turned the other way. It's all about us. It's all about what I can do to fulfill, fulfill me in my own life. And so in that amnesia, God looks down and he says, I'm going to send my son to reveal our very nature, their very nature. They've forgotten who they are. So he revealed to us in the fullness of time, his son, Jesus Christ, the very nature of love who did what? Did not hold his life for himself. He suffered and he died. He gave it away. And so we're between, uh, again, Feast of Holy Trinity, our very nature, God who is love, we're called to participate in God, who is love to make him known. And next Sunday, this coming Sunday, which is the Feast of Corpus Christi, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus, made flesh, not just from a forest story or a myth or, um, you know, something removed, but flesh and blood. He wanted to touch us. He wanted us to touch and experience him, and not just 2,000 years ago, but through his body and blood in the Eucharist. So the answer to, if you will, the Bruce Jenner, and please know when I say this, each of us are suffering to a significant extent until we die from a kind of amnesia. We're suffering from lies that are being presented to us all the time by the evil one. Uh, Beelzebub, right? You know, Beelzebub, the word Beelzebub literally means Lord of the Flies. If you've ever been in an intimate conversation with somebody, you know, a fly doesn't really have any power, but to distract us from the, the one we love, from that intimate communion and connection. And so we who are fashioned in Christ, are being under attack by Beelzebub, by these flies that distract us, and we're settling for less. So tonight, we're going to focus on the Feast of Corpus Christi, not just as, boy, that'll be a nice celebration this Sunday for an hour, but it ought to open up our hearts and minds right now to asking the question, the gift has been poured out, are we receiving it? Have our lives been impacted by this God of ours? You know, are we reflecting, are we radiating that love as he did that impacted the entire world? Are we truly being disciples of his and showing that love so that the folks like, you know, dare I say, Bruce Jenner, or, you know, any of us, our families, our friends in various degrees, that they can see the goodness of our nature in the Holy Trinity. We welcome you to be with us tonight and uh, we're glad you're with us and I'm going to give you a phone number right now and I'm going to ask you the question and invite you to call in. 
Uh, first of all, the question is how you know how share with us a little bit of how you've encountered Christ in the Eucharist. And I know right now some of you, I know many of you, godly, good people, prayerful people, you've had great experiences, but we're hearing again and again, we cannot remain silent. Some things are meant to be silent, yes, but don't let your fears keep you from calling in and sharing a testimonial that others might be impacted by. All of us have a testimonial because somebody was willing to share with us. Somebody was willing to tell us the story. And tonight, in a special way, we're asking any of you, who've had and can explain or share a story about how you've encountered or are encountering Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, to please call in and share that story with us. The number is 877-275-8098. And I'm going to give it to you again, 877-275-8098. For the more sophisticated of you who are online, you know, just post it on uh, our Facebook uh, page, Ignite the Planet at Facebook. Um, or even email us, alive at massimpact.us. All kinds of ways to share with us how you've encountered or are encountering Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. And I just want to second that, you know, um, just, you know, if, if you, so many of us have those moments. It doesn't need to be this lengthy or eloquent, um, you know, huge, huge story, but sometimes it's in the simplicity of our sharing just what the Lord has placed in our hearts that is the most impactful. And uh, too many times we don't think it's worth sharing, um, but it so much is. So again, that number is 877-275-8098. We would love to hear from you proclaiming the power of his presence in the Eucharist. Um, just to tag on to what Greg said, I love the Archbishop Fulton Sheen quote, the greatest love story of all time is contained in a tiny white host." just beautiful. So um, to make it a little more practical, also, we love to encourage you all to move beyond just a moment, but a, to flow into a movement. And we invite you to check out what we have to offer you at massimpact.us, that you gather together as families to take the time to talk and pray, to gather together as um, peer groups or church groups or just with the people that the Lord has placed in your life that uh, he has provided you to grow closer to him with. And so we invite you to do the weekly uh, gathering guide, which focuses on the upcoming Sunday readings. And there are great questions there just to get it going, to open your hearts to what the Lord has to say, to help you prepare for mass, to go in together and just uh, to be open to those graces. So again, massimpact.us, there's a lot there for you. And just to press this a little bit, our calendars reveal what we worship. Now, our words can say, I worship God, I worship Jesus Christ, and, and I have these moments where I certainly do that, but our calendars reveal truly what is most important to us, and I encourage you to think about it. What are those discretionary things that you put on your calendar? How do you spend last week in your discretionary time? How much was spent with gadgets, with movies, with other things like that? It's worth asking the question, when is the last time you set it all aside and you said, family, let's talk and pray? And, you know, I say that because it's a direct connection to the Holy Trinity who wants to break through into our lives and make us aware of his presence in our relationships with one another, to encounter him abiding in flesh and blood because we're of his fabric. And this is a lot about, again, Corpus Christi, to live the Eucharist. 
Jesus wants to, you know, we partake of him and we are what we eat. We partake of him and he forges in us a likeness to him. And it's revealed, if we're really getting it, it's going to cause us to want to prioritize talking and praying as a family. Nothing is more important. And I just want to encourage you guys, everybody listening. I just had this talk with our kids the other day as we're entering summer vacation, which many of you are too, those in particular with uh, school-aged children, that so often the busyness of the regular school year, so to speak, um, is used as an excuse and sometimes very valid that, you know, time is so limited or there's so many other activities that fill it up. So I echo again what Greg says about prioritizing But as a wonderful priest from Pennsylvania once said, summer vacation shouldn't be a vacation from our faith. Mm. You know, we're always so busy and we think, oh, later, later, later. And then when summer comes, gosh, we have so much more discretionary time as a family usually. And so I just encourage you to really um, take time to do some of those extra things that you wouldn't normally do. And uh, hopefully one of these things can be... um, the Live It Gathering Guide, again, massimpact.us. So we're going to turn it over to Anna. After I encourage you, my husband's looking at me. There's a video there. Is that what, is that no, what you're doing? No, I just, you're cute. <laughs> okay, thanks. Um, but there's a weekly video that we put together. <laughs> and we're a little giddy with Anna here. It's like with this fun little, I don't know what's going on, but I'm containing the laughter That's pretty good. well. Um, there's transformational stories. There's just, again, a lot there. So check it out. But we're going to intro, that was a kind of a strange intro, <laughs> into the beautiful gospel that we will hear this Sunday at Mass that Anna is going to proclaim. Anna the intern. Anna Our the awesome intern, intern Anna. Okay, so this is from Mark 14. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? He sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city and a man will meet you, carrying a jug of water. Follow him. Wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. Make the preparations for us there. The disciples went off, entered the city, and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. While they were eating, he took bread, said the blessing, broke it, gave it to them, and said, Take it. This is my body. Then he took a cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, and they all drank from it. He said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which will be shed for many. Amen, I say to you, I shall not drink again the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Then, after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, make us aware of our incompleteness. Make us aware of that yearning that each of us have that cannot be satisfied by anything. No amount of money can purchase it. No other way of how we spend time can accomplish it except being in your presence and encountering your great love for us. Make us aware that you fashioned us for yourself. We praise you and thank you for the great gift of your body and blood, soul and divinity present to us in every mass that fosters, that makes possible this great intimacy the unsurpassed gift of yourself. We pray, Lord God, that we who are listening right now, that our communities, our parishes, would be truly a holy community that corresponds to the holy communion. We ask this in your holy name, through Christ our Lord. 
Amen. Amen. I'm going to give you folks the number again to share, to call in and share how you've encountered Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. 877-275-8098. And as you're praying about that, thinking about that, I am going to now just play an interview uh, that I did this morning with a beautiful young woman, mother of six down in Florida, and the interview will explain itself, but it's really about a powerful Eucharistic miracle in my own life and hers and a few others that we experienced a number of years ago. So here we go. I am very blessed to have with me on the phone right now, Lisa Ponchek. Uh, that's her married name. When I, when I met her back in 1991, she was a young undergraduate student at Franciscan University of Steubenville. And in just a moment, she's going to share with us a really powerful story that we are both privileged to be part of, very humbled to be part of. And the backstory story is, is this. This very month, June of 1991, I found myself in this third world country called Medjugorje, behind communist lines. And I'd read a lot about... Uh, amazing things happening that purportedly the Blessed Mother of God was appearing and uh, miraculous healings were taking place. And um, I'll, I'll spare you the longer story, but simply say it was enough for me to open the door and say, Lord, do you want me to be there? I didn't have money. I didn't have resources. Through really, all I can say is miraculous circumstances. Um, I found myself part of a large community that went over there in June of 91, which also happened to be the week of my um, confirmation name, Feast of St. John the Baptist, June 24th. And also many, many years later, it is that week that my wife and I both were engaged. Uh, I sh I'm sorry, started dating, and then we were married uh, June 21st. So June is very significant to me. Anyways, Medjugorje, I um, reserve the church's final decision on what happened there. Uh, for me, the ultimate thing is it drew me more deeply into the heart of Jesus Christ. It opened my heart to Mary leading us to Jesus. And while there, two people that I'd met among many were a father, Jose, who was a priest um, for the Diocese of Youngstown, and a young woman named Nicole. Okay, we're going to fast forward. Coming back from Medjugorje, I'd been working at Human Life International in Gaithersburg, Maryland, and it was pretty clear to me through prayer that God wanted me to go to this place called Franciscan University of Steubenville. I'd already been through college. I graduated. I was into my, you know, uh, full-time career, if you will. But God was saying, I want you to understand how this Catholic community thing is lived, how it works beyond an hour on Sundays. And um, in prayer, God simply seemed to be pointing me to simply go to Steubenville. Within the first uh, week or two, I get a call from Father Jose, and he shared with me the story that he as an associate pastor, fairly newly ordained, that his pastor had been telling people in the parish that Jesus is just, in the Eucharist, is just a symbol. And, um, and this was unfortunately in the 1990s, something that may have even been quite common, that uh, unfortunately there was a lack of belief in Christ's real presence. Also as gutting of parishes of beautiful artwork and in the garbage, he found this beautifully handcrafted wooden tabernacle and he pulled it out of the garbage and he had it in his room. So rescue number one. And then he tells me the most amazing story of all, that while he was at mass, um, an elderly woman came forward to receive the Eucharist. Somehow the Eucharist was dropped, and um, he did what a priest ought to do, picked it up, and later on put the Eucharist, you know, in water. He told, asked the pastor, what should I do with this? And I believe the pastor said something to the effect of, you know, no big deal, flush it down the toilet. Yes, can you believe that a pastor would say this? And so Father Jose, with such an incredible heart for Christ and God, said, Greg, please um, 
can you come up here to Youngstown? It's about an hour drive, and um, and just see what I see because. And I said, "What do you mean, see what you see?" And he said, um, "Well, something's happened." And he explained for me that um, the the host um, had literally become flesh, had become red, had become blood-like. Um, that a Eucharistic miracle, in his description, had taken place. So. I called my friend Nicole and I said, Nicole, you know, this is what Father Jose just described for me. Are you available? I mean, we need to go right now. Like we felt, had this feeling of like rescue mission, right? Like we, we need to go and be present with Father Jose. And there was a sense in which I think he, I had a sense that he may have wanted us to bring back the Eucharist to Holy Spirit Monastery there at Franciscan University where you have very devout holy friars who would, with great respect and reverence, um, you know, if you will, deal with this situation with great honor. So um, I'm going to hand the baton now to my good friend, Lisa, whom I don't believe I knew at this point. I knew Nicole from Medjugorje. And Nicole, um, I believe, I'll just hand it off to you, Lisa. So what, what happened from that point? Okay, thank you, Greg. Um, yeah, it was my senior year at Franciscan. It was the fall of 91. I think it was the second week in September. And I was uh, walking the class. And my roommate um, was actually Sherry Lynn, uh, who you were also friends with. And she approached me and she said, hey, Lisa, do you want to go see a Eucharistic miracle? And I said, sure. I mean, I was a senior in college and um, always up for an adventure. So I said, yes. And she said, well, you know, meet meet me back here in about an hour after your class. And um, my friend Greg and my friend Nicole is going to pick us up and we're going to go see a Eucharistic miracle. I said, okay, sure. And so just like she said, after class, I, I met her and... Um, Greg, uh, you and Nicole picked us up, and we started driving. And I really didn't know at that time what I had said yes to. <laughs> um, I thought we were going to go see, um, like, something on public display, a Eucharistic miracle on public display. And, and But when I was in the car, you guys started telling me the story. And, and then I, I believe you shared how you had the sense that we were going to be bringing it back to the university. And I was like... Well, wait a minute, guys. <laughs> Slow down. Yeah. Uh, we, we really need to test this. Uh, we don't know if this is for real. We can't automatically buy into it. And I was trying to talk some sense to everybody. And uh, so I was a little nervous, but we kept driving, and finally we got there, and Jose met us out in the parking lot, and, and he, again, shared pretty much the same story you shared. And then he said, do you guys want to see it? And, of course, we were all like, well, yeah, yes, we want to see it. So he brought us into his living quarters, and he opened the tabernacle, and he brought us out. And Greg, you can testify this to us, too. I mean, we just all felt the presence of the Lord in that room very strongly. And we yes. all dropped to our knees, and, yep. and we just started singing and, and praying spontaneously. And this is so powerful. And um, what I saw, um, like when we first started praying, it just looked like a, a grayish-white um, ball with straight edges, kind of like flesh and water. Mm. But as we started praying, as we were praising, I saw it turn red and start to pulsate. Um, and I, and I can't remember who else saw that, but somebody else saw that that was in the room. For sure, I remember that, Lisa. Absolutely, <laughs> I, I, I remember that. Um, opening my eyes and seeing, as you say, that this red pulsating. It looked like a heart. I think some of us mm -hmm. had a sense that it was almost like a small heart in the midst of this glass of water that was very yes. much alive. So I'm with you. Keep going. So then uh, Father Jose, he put, it, um, put the glass of water with 
with the Jesus, what appeared to be Jesus's flesh, back into the tabernacle. And then he was talking to us, and he was just really lamenting, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. The, the main pastor wants me to throw this out, and I, I can't do that, and what am I going to do? And that's when we all kind of chimed in and said, well, do you want us to take it back to the university? And and that sounded like a really good idea to him. So, um, you know, he gave it to us to take back. And I remember being very nervous, like, we're going to do what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, this, this sounds crazy, you know? So we all got into the in the car and and uh, uh, let's see sherry lynn and i who were sitting in the back we we held on to it for dear life and we had uh something covering the top so it wouldn't, wouldn't spill out and the whole way back i just remember just the presence of the lord filling that car and and uh the whole way back we were praying and again singing and praising and it was a very powerful time and and uh i think there were several even like words uh the lord was just really speaking and and one thing that um to one of us is, is that scripture though from First Timothy four twelve about uh, say not you're too young. You know we did get back and it was already dark when we got back to the college and and uh, we knocked on the on the monastery door and fortunately Father Jose actually knew one of the friars and so we asked for that friar and he was able to come out. I believe it was Father Gus. So he came out and and uh, he had us sit down and he listened to our story and he. He really came to believe, and he was very reverent when he took the glass from us, and he looked at it, and he, um, he was just really reverent and knelt down, and and he told us that he would keep it there, and he would keep it safe, and he would uh, find out what his from his superior what he should do with it. And that whole next week was just, it was surreal. I just remember, uh, we were just all on cloud nine. People, like, would come up to us and just randomly start talking about the Eucharist, yeah, all four of us, because um, we didn't tell anybody. We kind of kept this as a secret among us, and, and we weren't telling anybody because we wanted to first, you know, find out what was going to happen and if this was going to be approved. About a week went by, and I, I saw the president of the university walking, and, and so I approached him, and I asked him, I said, hey, you know, wh- what's happening with the Eucharistic Miracle? And he told me that um, it had actually started to dissolve, and so... Um, the other friar was asked to consume it. The one we gave it to, he was asked to consume it. And so he did. He, he actually drank it. This is something, for some reason, the Lord just had a few of us experience. And, and you know, we began praying, well, Lord, what do you want us to do with this? So, yeah, that's, that's pretty much my end of the story. Very beautiful. Uh, you're tuned into Ignite Radio Live, and we're with Lisa Poncheck back in the day. She was Lisa Keller, now married with six beautiful children and with her husband fully engaged in um, transforming ministry down in Florida. If you want to read her beautiful story about this, I really encourage you to go to beautifulthorns.com, just as it sounds, beautifulthorns.com. And, you know, Lisa, um, as you were describing it, uh, especially from the moment of us going into uh, Father Jose's living room, I was there uh, just listening to you even now. I had shivers down my spine. I was trying to hold back some tears because... It was um, beyond explanation, as the Eucharist is. The moment, the experience, the encounter was beyond words. And, you know, some of us who have grown up Catholic maybe presume uh, the Eucharist. We've grown up with it, and we kind of take it for granted, and we walk into a church without maybe the respect or reverence of what's going on there. I can say I never walked into a church the same way. 
that's a, a big impact that it had on mm. my life. I mean, I thought I had kind of an observational kind of reverence, you know, kind of like a litmus test, just, you know, be honorable. But now there was kind of a relationship at the heart of the ritual for me that, um, you know, sort of came alive for me. And, you know, I often think about the fact that the great gift that God gave us uh, in that experience, that we use the word Eucharist, phrase Eucharistic miracle, but really it's kind of redundant. I mean, Jesus is no less present in every single Eucharist consecrated on every altar at any time with the power to transform and heal and, and strengthen us for him. You know, in some senses, we're suffering from amnesia. We've forgotten who we are, which makes sense of St. Irenaeus's words. Christ is God's revelation of man to himself. We've forgotten who we are, and how does he reveal himself? But in a smelly stable, and when he first came, you know, was born. But now in the Eucharist, continues to be with us every single day. Um, with, the, with the fullness of his presence in the poverty of bread and wine. But he's truly present there and wants us to have belief. So we pray. I find myself also praying, you know, with St. Thomas Aquinas. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And to understand that that belief isn't meant to be kind of just an ascent, like a factual, I believe, you know, the sky is blue or the sun is hot or something. It's that kind of belief that, that says, you know, Lord, you fashioned me for yourself. And you want to make me like you. That's the best version of myself, as Matthew Kelly says. You want me to live this fullness of my identity in you. And really, you know, we know this as parents. There's many influences around our kids and even adults that promise them an alternate identity. It's that apple all over again or the fruit all over again. You know, just eat of this and you'll be happy. But by the time we get, you know, through that, jump through those hoops enough, enough times, I think some of us, hopefully there's a sobering of humanity in seeing none of those things are going to satisfy us. And here we have what Jesus pronounced in John 6. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he who does not eat of my body and drink of my blood has no life within him. For I tell you, my body is real food and my blood is real drink. I think this miracle, I, you know, we haven't really shared this, at least it's the first time really publicly we've talked about it. And there are many, many, many more mm -hmm. miracles, even if you get online, folks, and do just search Eucharistic miracles. And I mean bona fide miracles. You ought to have a, a decent amount of skepticism. As Lisa, you explained, you know, we ought to have a little bit mm -hmm. of caution. And I think, you know, we ought to. I mean, we ought not just accept everything. we got to test things and, and, you know, kind of evaluate them. But overcoming those highest bar tests, we have documented Eucharistic miracles um, that give evidence to Christ's real presence with us. And if that's the case, for any of you listening out there in the audience right now who may be struggling at the core, what John Paul II really articulated so clearly, our identity, struggling with who you are, your value, your unsurpassed dignity as a son or daughter of Jesus Christ, let this, I don't know, let these miracles tonight that we're sharing in this miracle, if you're hearing it, know that God is you hearing it for a reason. He's maybe wanting you to be mindful that it isn't just this thing that happened to these two people or few people, but he's wanting you to hear it so that you know that he takes on flesh and blood for you every time you go to Mass and receive him. So that's my long little diatribe. But Lisa, what has it done for you? Oh, it has definitely increased my devotion to uh, true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. Um, it's definitely eye-opening. I'd say at that time, I was, I was still kind of you know, young and mature, and even though I experienced that miracle, I still didn't fully grasp, and I don't know if we ever can fully grasp the level of intimacy he calls us to by receiving him, by receiving his body and his blood. I, I'd say it's only in the last few years that uh, I've gained a deeper understanding of the level of intimacy he calls us to. 
Awesome. Wonderful. Lisa, thank you so much for taking the time to um, share that story with us. And again, you're tuned into Ignite Radio Live. Beautifulthorns.com is the blog that Lisa uh, had written about this and many other great articles. And their website is mysteriumdei.com. That's M-Y-S-T-E-R-I-U-M-D-E-I.com. You're tuned into Ignite Radio Live. We've been blessed to hear this wonderful story that I was privileged to share with Lisa Ponchak with us on the phone from Florida and uh, a great ministry she has with her husband. And let's face it, with those six kids, the primary ministry of family, of making God who is love known. As we pave the way up to Corpus Christi this coming Sunday, we just pray that all who are listening right now will open their hearts and uh, approach Jesus eagerly to receive his uh, very body and blood, soul and divinity this Sunday. Thanks so much for being with us, Lisa. God bless you. All right. Thank you, Greg. I wish to go to the festival. The Ignite Catholic Family Festival is going to be an awesome event for everyone. 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 Join us for a spirit-filled day of fun, food, fellowship, and festivity featuring awesome activities, musicians, and speakers. Register right now at massimpact.us. And look for the Ignite Family Festival tab. You really don't want to miss that. MassImpact.us. Yes, this means you. God, I'm running for your heart. I'm running for your heart. Till I am a soul on fire. Lord, I'm longing for your ways. I'm waiting for the day. Till I am a soul on fire. Till I am a soul Welcome back, everybody. Fire. We're back with you on Ignite Radio Live. Good evening again. You are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter and our very dear guest slash friend slash intern slash awesomeness slash it's Anna Kemper (laughs) in the house. I just thought of a name for myself. Tell us. Antern. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, she's going to get me going. Okay. Focus, focus. Yeah, okay. I'll just that on them right now. No, that was great. That was great. Now I'm going to start calling you Antern by accident. So, well, of course, that Ann came out very heavily last night with the uh, <laughs> with the Reinhardts. We were up playing uh, Euchre and playing games. It was delightful last night and discovered of the six or seven of us there, I'm the only one who doesn't have the A-N in my name. So I'm the odd man out. And now we have Antern. Thanks for rubbing it in, Anna. We love Appreciate you, Greg. That. It's okay. <laughs> so you heard the commercial, hopefully, for the Ignites Family Festival, the Um, August 8th. We are so excited um, to have that day to celebrate our Catholic faith as a community here in the Diocese of Toledo and uh, actually kind of like a a boost up, a a, um, primer of sorts for the World Meeting of Families in Philadelphia. So very excited about that. Register now. The first 100 families, I believe, who register get a discounted rate. So check that out. Um, there's a link at massimpact.us, but there's also a direct, um, Greg, I'm looking at you for the... Yes, the direct link to the Ignite Catholic Family Festival is ignitefestival.eventbrite.com. Again, ignitefestival.eventbrite.com. So we're excited about that. Check it out. Sign up. Tell everybody. Easy form of evangelization. Just to bring it, it's going to be an awesome day. Um, um, also... We, I just totally lost my train of thought because I keep thinking of Antern. Okay, that's it. That's it. That that was it. We just heard that very powerful story um, from Greg and Lisa, just a 
a very moving um, Eucharistic miracle story. So again, we thank Lisa for that. But we invite you to um, share your heart and what the Eucharist means in your own life. And we ask you to call in 877-275-8098. Proclaim it, people. Come on, let's hear. We are so blessed as Catholics to have the gift of the Eucharist. And I don't think that we um, proclaim that enough. You know, I mean, it's awesome. What a gift. Let's hear from you. So, Anna, let's hear from you. Let's hear from tell us interns. a little bit about so I whatever you'd like story. to tell us about. Yeah. Oh, my story. Here we go. So my story is um, just to give you guys time to think of your own stories. And um, so I'm from Duquesne University in Pittsburgh, and I have some wonderful, beautiful friends there, one of which um, has trouble with her family life, just... Um, getting her family on board with their Catholic faith. She's super excited about it, trying to share it, and um, struggling with her siblings, her parents. Um, very sad. So um, her one sister is older, very dedicated uh, pharmacy student, always running around, always in the library. Um, just a lot of craziness, and um, she kind of gives her sister, my good friend, a hard time about, you know, always being in church and always going to um, adoration and and uh, one day, it was the finals week. It was actually the last day of finals, a big day for, for everyone. And I was um, I was up in the morning walking to the chapel, going for um, morning mass just to kind of clear my head. And um, I'm headed over there and just kind of thinking and, you know, wandering my way to mass. And um, it's all the way across the, the campus. So I have a nice little walk. And I, I'm walking and I see the back of the head of my friend's sister. So this this is the one who kind of gives her sister a hard time, is always is always kind of joking about, you know, oh, my Catholic sister, she's, you know, so religious and all this. So um, so I see her, and I was just kind of, I just kind of stopped, and I was watching her a little bit, being a little bit of a creeper, and she goes, <laughs> <laughs> she she was going towards her class. I could tell she was really kind of, she was just kind of going for it. Her head was down. She was, she was ready to go, and then all of a sudden she stopped. She stood still for a minute. And she turned towards the chapel, and she walked right into the chapel. And uh, and she walks in, and I kind of like snuck up behind. I didn't want her to know I was seeing her because I think she was, she wasn't even sure why she was going in there. I could tell she was just kind of like drawn in. So I followed. I went in. Um, I just kind of you know didn't really say anything. Just walked by. Went to the front of the chapel, and she stayed in the very back. And I could tell she wasn't wanting to be noticed. Was just kind of like eh, maybe I'll stop in here for a quick prayer before finals, but. I just thought in that moment, I knew when I saw her turn, I just knew that he was drawing her in there. And, um, you know, as much as we personally experience the Eucharist, I think his presence as a person, as someone who wants to draw people closer to his heart is always there and always, you know, always searching. So um, to see this girl who was so, you know, so against, you know, her sister and um, giving her a hard time just to kind of turn and almost humble, humble herself and walk in there. Um, I thought that was a beautiful thing, and you can tell that's not just, you know, a symbol doesn't just draw someone like that. You mm, know, it's a person right. wanting to draw you closer into a relationship. So, that's Awesome segue to what you were, I don't know if you were thinking the same thing, Stephanie, but the JP2 story. No? Okay. Which Claire, one? Oh, is it, <laughs> Which the one? dogs? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I have so many. Okay, this so. This like a perfect segue. Yes, thank you. Well, yes, exactly. So I'm going to do a, we're awesome just, story, you Anna, know, by the tonight, way, that's let me tell you. There's this great book. Um, if you haven't read it yet, I encourage you to pick it up. It's St. John Paul the Great, His Five Loves by Jason Everts. And it's just phenomenal. So I I wasn't quite sure which story you were going for because there are so many beautiful 
beautiful stories. Um, Jason, I'm going to call him Jason because, you know, I can. You and him are close. Yes, right. <laughs> so um, according to him, one of his, John Paul II's uh, five loves is the Blessed Sacrament. And he has some really powerful things in there. And just the, the um, incredible time that the Pope, hello, he's kind of busy, <laughs> um, would take every day, sometimes hours upon hours, and how he would use that time in prayer and total relationship. So um, the story that Greg has asked me to share, it was actually when John Paul II was on a visit to the United States, and the significance um, kind of personally was that Greg was actually present. It was when he, Greg was in the seminary in Maryland, um, Mount St. Mary's in Emmitsburg. Right. We were asked to be part of it. So he visited our, you know, St. Mary's in Baltimore. And uh, we were part of the whole group of seminaries on the East Coast. And I was able to uh, be an acolyte to uh, actually have a picture of it, which is very, very moving to be that close to him and be part of that visit. Right. So this was in October of 95. And, um, you know, just a very full day of activity. So from, uh, you know, Mass at Oriel Park in Camden Yards, followed by a parade through the downtown to a basilica there, to a um, lunch at a local soup kitchen, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, just a very full schedule. Um, decided that he was going to greet the seminarians who were gathered um, outside on the steps at the seminary um, in Baltimore. And uh, they weren't quite ready for that because it wasn't quite part of the plan as uh, John Paul II loved to go and find chapels. So when they realized this was part of his plan, not just to greet the seminarians out on the steps, but to actually go in and take time with the Lord, um, they, uh, you know, of course needed for security reasons to get on board. And so the personnel quickly flew into action ahead of the Pope and their activities um, included a sweep of the building and paying very close attention to the chapel where they knew John Paul II would want to go and spend time with our Lord. And so for this purpose, they had highly trained dogs who were used to detect any persons who might be present, you know, kind of hiding out or whatever the plan may have been. And so the dogs are trained to locate living people in collapsed buildings after earthquakes and other disasters. These intelligent and eager canines went through their rounds in the halls, through the offices and the classrooms, like anywhere that, you know, someone could be hiding. Um, and then they were sent into the chapel. They went up and down the aisles and past the pews and finally into the side chapel where the Blessed Sacrament is reserved there. Upon reaching the tabernacle, the dogs sniffed and whined and pointed, refusing to leave. They were convinced that they discovered someone there and firmly remained. Mm -hmm. Their attention riveted to the tabernacle until called out by the handlers. Like how cool. We Catholics know they were right. <laughs> they found a real living person in the tabernacle. So beyond just a faith moment, but these, you know, trained dogs to find people, they did. You know, just what a beautiful reminder. And I think, you know, certainly there are those who struggle with the real presence. And like Lisa said, there's, you know, it can go deeper and deeper until the day that we meet him face to face in heaven. But what a glorious piece of heaven on earth in that gift. So, yes, we can, um, you know, deepen our belief, our devotion, just the, to ponder that mystery of the real presence. But I love how John Paul gave witness um, 
that it's not really in question the true presence in our midst, but rather whether Catholics, us Catholics, us faithful Catholics, are truly present to God Mm. when we're in his midst. Mm. And that just really hits hard. You know, we talk about it, we say we believe it, we try to believe it, we profess it. Again, no, it can go deeper. But the, the thing in question is, our presence to him, his invitation to be drawn in. Like Anna, you shared the story of your friend's sister. You know, are we aware of that invitation, you know, to be fully present? You know, he waits for us to spend as much time whenever, however we desire to. And I love the great devotion that um, the sisters who taught me way back when in Erie, Pennsylvania, that when we can't physically be present to receive our Lord, the gift of a spiritual communion to ask to receive the Lord in that way. The elephant in the room, as you say that, Stephanie, is the challenge today of us availing ourselves to God's presence because we're so inundated with gadgets and stuff and junk and the best of us have to set limits for ourselves. We get sucked in. It's addictive. Um, And what is it? It's wiring us for immediate stimulation and the kind that just feeds the five senses And, you know, pretty soon you hope, I hope society is burnt out by it. I hope society, after days, weeks, months, years, kind of says, looks back and says, how many hours did I spend with that and what did it do for me? But the the connection is that to us, to all of us listening, is that when we go before Jesus, we have to tell ourselves there's going to be a need for us to be patient, to to kneel before God and to um, just wait upon him without books and readings and those sorts of things, to spend that five to ten minutes of the noise, of the inner noise, of the wheels spinning, to allow them to slow down enough for his spirit to come in. And I'll say, I know, I, I face that, we'll call it a wall. It's a wall of noise. I face the wall of noise every single time. We have, we have our special family adoration at 3 o'clock on Friday, and I look forward to it because I know he's going to do it. I know I know if I'm patient long enough that the wheels in my brain are going to slow down long enough, and, and it's going to be a kind of encounter, a kind of experience. It's not about the experience, right? But let's face it, there, there, is, there is a sense of his presence when we, you know, uh, kind of like unplug and our brains, you know, sort of slow down and we're, you know, our souls are attuned to him in a special way. Don't we find that in moments of exhaustion and fatigue that we're, we're, we're more equipped and ready to receive Jesus? Or you find in the war-torn parts of our world um, where there's great suffering, you know, these folks are stripped of everything. There's, there's a radical dependency on God, a poverty, if you will, that makes its way for provision. I think often these conversion moments are happen when? They happen in our moments of suffering and difficulty and challenge. And even if it seems things are going well, food's on the table and, you know, we got a stable marriage, even if, it's, if it is that, the deepest parts of our souls are incomplete until, until we have God, as Augustine said. You know, he fashioned us for himself and our hearts will not rest. And again, I'm just saying we've got to be patient. We've got to be patient for the slowdown. We've got to be patient for that to happen in order to experience him. I just want to uh, throw out there, a quote from Mother Teresa, which very much sums up what you're saying also. The time you spend with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament is the best time that you will spend on earth. Each moment that you spend with Jesus will deepen your union with him and make your soul everlastingly more glorious and beautiful in heaven and will help bring about an everlasting peace on earth. Again, that's Mother Teresa. And I love that just the um, truth also 
certainly we go and the Lord speaks to us and, um, you know, we bring so many things and people and situations before him and he loves that. But I love the thought of just coming before him and just saying, here I am, Lord, love me. I didn't think of this connection until you were giving us the background to Pope John Paul II and uh, the dogs being aware of a person, if you will. But that was the same time we were moved to initiate, excuse me, Youth 2000, Mount 2000. Uh, Father Benedict Rashad lived there for a year, blessed to be part of that. Uh, as many of you are familiar with the story, I won't go into it, but a very powerful miracle story of two gangs reconciled in the presence of the Eucharist in the Bronx. And uh, when I went to Mount St. Mary's Nemitzburg, I initiated this Mount 2000 movement there, which has been going for over 18 years every year, drawing 1,500 kids for very powerful Eucharistic weekends. And that burning bush idea was, you know, followed me to Erie PA, and here we have Anna with us, her family, Linda and Pat and family, being part of what was made to, is made to worship there. Our Ignite here is there made to worship. And uh, we've seen it grow and grow in this area last year, you know, 50 different places, over 10,000 encounters with Christ. And uh, we want to invite you folks to just really, if you haven't been to an Ignite, and it's Jesus is in every tabernacle, anywhere you could go, but Ignite is a kind of special uh, relational kind of intimate kind of connection with Jesus uh, in its worship form. Uh, go to uh, massimpact.us and click on Ignite Events. Uh, again, massimpact.us. You'll see there are three Ignites next week that you can participate in um, in various areas throughout this diocese. And all of that, by the way, uh, moved a lot of us from all of these places, 13 locations throughout our diocese, over 25 parishes, um, to say we really need together to come together for a great event, and that's the basis of the Ignite Catholic Family Festival. We invite you to be part of the team. What I mean by that is it's easy evangelization. Two steps. One, Go to ignitefestival.eventbrite.com and sign up. Just in faith, I know you may want to reserve it, and I get how that works, and you'll wait till the last second. But in faith, I want to challenge you right now to go there, and in faith, commit your family. For $30, you know, your whole family will get an awesome evening of fun, food, festivity, awesome musicians, great breakout talks, a tremendous experience, or you can register as an individual. It's open to everybody um, for the first 100 So ignitefestival.eventbrite.com. Dot com. Come to that and experience, if you will, the next step. And it's really setting the groundwork, quite frankly, beautifully interfacing with our great bishop, uh, Daniel Thomas's vision, uh, which this, you know, how awesome. We're really going through the door of this world meeting of families coming up in September. Pope Francis will be with us, and uh, Pope Francis, uh, <laughs> Bishop Daniel Thomas is leading a number of buses of pilgrims who will be going there, but not all of us can go. And whether you're going or not, a month in advance, this is when this Ignite Festival is going to be, August 8th, it's going to be an opportunity for us as families to encounter Jesus Christ. There's going to be a beautiful outdoor weather permitting, outdoor Ignite kind of experience, and I really think it's going to be a prophetic open door outpouring of grace for this community to experience a, a kind of, uh, I don't know, outpouring of the Spirit the likes of which we've never experienced. You're tuned into Ignite Radio Live. We're going to go to some commercials, and we'll be back with you in just a minute. We're so glad you're with us celebrating Holy Trinity last week, filled with the Holy Spirit, imaging the Trinity, and uh, with our eyes fixed on Corpus Christi. Stay tuned. I wish to go to the festival. The Ignite Catholic Family Festival is going to be an awesome event for everyone. Everyone. 
everyone. Join us for a spirit-filled day of fun, food, fellowship, and festivities featuring awesome activities, musicians, and speakers. Register right now at massimpact.us. And look for the Ignite Family Festival tab. You really don't want to miss that. Massimpact.us. Yes, this means you. Games are something you play with a board, not with a soul. Let's not sugarcoat this. Satan is getting many to join him through a door called pornography. That door is everywhere a device is. The consequences are devastating. They don't sidestep those who go to Mass. In fact, most practicing Catholic men report falling regularly. Many are addicted. Please listen. Knowing all this is not enough. If you or those you love don't have filtering on your computers or devices, you're playing games with souls. You're leaving the door wide open. Please join us now in shutting that door. Go right now to MassImpact.us. Click on Covenant Eyes. That's MassImpact.us Covenant Eyes. It's a very small price to pay for eternity. This is an Ignite Flash Fire moment. Right now, can you think of one person you know who's struggling, in need of knowing God's love? If someone came to mind, God just spoke to your heart. We're going to light it up right now. Send them a quick message. It could be by Facebook, email, text message. Make it short and sweet. Simply tell them you were thinking about them. You appreciate them, you're praying for them, you're in it with them, that God loves them. If we respond to this simple flash fire prompting right now, together we'll move his kingdom a big step forward. Ignite Flash Fire is brought to you by MassImpact.us. Not just a moment, a movement. God, I'm running for your heart, I'm running for your heart, till I am a soul. Welcome back to Ignite Radio Live. You are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter and Anna, the intern Kemper or intern, <laughs> as she dubbed herself. Um, but it has been a wonderful uh, last hour, just really focusing on the real presence in the Eucharist as we approach this great, great feast of Corpus Christi. And with that being said, just not just a shout out, but a Praise be to God for the gift of our priests. We are Amen. so blessed. We thank you for your yes to this calling, yes to giving your lives for us, yes for bringing us the Eucharist, just beyond words. And uh, uh, a, a little invite, I hope Father Adam Hertzfeld doesn't mind. <laughs> St. Joan of Arc, as many of you know, is our parish, and we are very much looking forward to this upcoming feast day, but at the 1130 Mass at St. Joan of Arc, um, there will be an outdoor procession um, with the the outdoor altars, and uh, it'll be a very powerful, grace-filled time. So if you're just looking for a little something extra <laughs> on this great feast, uh, St. Joan of Arc warmly welcomes you, um, 1130 Mass that will be happening at. So again, thank you, and thank you to Bishop Thomas for um, your presence and your priesthood and your shepherding. And uh, thank you for giving us three new priests this past weekend. Mm -hmm. So Anna, you have something else that you'd like to share with us. Yeah, just a quick thing. Um, I was reminded by us listening to that tape today of Father Philip Scott, who um, worked a retreat that I was on just recently. And um, I just think it's a good point to share, especially for all of you who are thinking about maybe going to an Ignite or um, 
maybe you feel a little too crazy in your schedule and you're just not sure if you want to go. Is it, you know, can I fit it in? And for me, a point that really kind of hit home was uh, when Father Philip Scott said um, he comes at three o'clock in the morning, sits in front of the Blessed Sacrament, and he doesn't say anything. He just sits down. He says, see me, Mm. notice me. And for him not to, you know, to know that that's all that he needs to say and that um, there's really nothing else he has to do. Just sit there and let God see him. And, um, you know, some of the deepest longings of our hearts are just to be noticed and mm. just to feel like, you know, is God working in all these people's lives? Is he working in my life? Um, and I think that's that's something to look forward to at Ignite, just to be able to sit there and, um, if anything else, just saying, you know, see me and let yourself be seen. Beautiful, beautiful. And I love the line also, more than a line, but just in response to the Lord's presence there. And I love you too, because everything contained, like again, to go back to the Bishop Sheen, Archbishop Sheen quote, um, you know, the greatest love story is contained in that little tiny host. So our response, Mm -hmm. I love you too, you know, just beautiful. So we are humbly wanting to simply be instruments of God's grace. We're imperfect, imperfect husband, imperfect wife. And if any of you get any other impression, you're sadly mistaken, at least for the dad part, me. Um, and, and we recognize that this is where God has us. And, and what he, you know, it, it is equipping us for evangelization because, as Pope Francis said, if we're not recognizing our sin, we have no need of a Savior. So by our kind of you know, every Tuesday night and with our Ignites and Mass Impact and all that, we're kind of just really stepping on the water. Uh, and um, by God's grace with this community, we when we have our eyes fixed on Jesus, we're walking and we see some good steps and we're joined by others and we're following others and all of that. And there are moments, let's just keep it really real, where we are, uh, you know, we're falling, we're slipping. And um, that is the beauty of community. God gives us to encounter him, each other to encounter him in that context. So all that just to say, you know, if your heart is yearning to live this more fully, if your heart is yearning to to believe and live it out beyond that hour on Sundays, or maybe for some of you to even go on a Sunday and to really have this intimacy, I just want to tell you it's there. He's there. He is there. He mm-hmm. is there. And he's there for more than a moment. We say this, I pray it doesn't become a cliche. He's there for so much more than a fleeting moment, but an eternal movement. He fashioned our souls for this. And that's what we're all about. We're wanting parishes to become what they are. We're at the service of parishes uh, and people and the transforming power of Christ to simply open our hearts to God. And we recognize that a key part of that, we really believe the Holy Spirit's being poured out. And we've been praying that with the the popes of recent history. But a thing that we've been focusing on of late is, well, what's standing in the way? He's pouring his, he's doing his thing. He's pouring himself out. But what's the debris we need to get rid of? You know, it's a good thing for us to look in the mirror and say, you know, if I'm experiencing discord or anxiety, God didn't fashion me for that stuff. We need to renounce it. And our Catholic faith invites us in many of the prayers to renounce in the name of Jesus Christ, pride, control, uh, bitterness, resentment, you name it. This great book, Unbound, we're going to be diving into on Tuesday nights pretty soon, Unbound by um, Neil Lozano. Thank you for saying Neil Lozano a Catholic author who's really attuned to this. Um, and, you know, we want to invite you to kind of enter into journey with us in this, um, in the context of your homes and your work and your school and your demands. We are united as a church seeking God's grace that it wouldn't simply be emptied of ourselves, that we can be filled with him, but so it'll overflow, overflow into the world around us. 
That's what Mass Impact is really all about. We're about, like John the Baptist, may we decrease, may he increase, may he, you know, we encounter him. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we confess our sin. We acknowledge our imperfection. We acknowledge the many moments of our lives that have, uh, where our love has been betrayed, God, and where we've... Uh, built walls around us, Jesus, and the, the walls that have wounded us and the white knuckles that we cling to lesser things. You came to set us free. You've conquered sin and death. And right now, Lord, in your name, give us the wisdom and the courage and the vision to claim your victory over these pretenders to the throne, God. Give us the, give us the strength in your spirit to see clearly that you fashioned us for yourself and to evict, to evict anything that is not of you in your name, in the name of Jesus Christ. And to recognize, Lord, that you, you give us this precisely so that we can become one with you, so we can, this deepest desire of intimacy for you and with you can be fulfilled in the Eucharist. Let your spirit be upon us tonight. Let it be upon those, uh, Deacon Mike Learned, and who've brought Annunciation Radio into being, uh, for all the priests, for our, our great bishop and our holy father. We pray for our benefactors who've blessed us, God, financially and with their energies and talents to keep this going. And we pray that you would even move hearts now to move people to support us, support this movement, to join in it. We entrust our hearts to you, Lord God, and we thank you so much. Conquer us. In your holy name we pray to Christ our Lord. Amen.